If you have a Bible with you this morning, which I hope you do, whether it's on your phone or whether it's in a paper form, I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to spend most of our time in Ephesians this morning. I will be referencing other places in the Bible, but Ephesians is a place where it will be foundational for us this morning. So while you turn there and while I kind of get set up up here with all these papers and such, um, I'm going to go ahead and offer another word of prayer to the Lord. Lord God, Father, we thank you that you've wakened us up this morning, Lord, that you've called us to come and gather to, together this morning, Lord. So many of us come from different places, Lord, just emotionally and spiritually, Lord. Uh, man, some it may have been even hard to come into this service this morning to worship God. We come with burdens of the weak on our hearts, Lord. But Jesus, we ask, Lord, we ask God now that you would help us to lay our burdens down, that we would cast our burdens and our anxieties onto you, Lord, and that you would allow us to have open ears, open hearts, Lord, to receive your word this morning. Oh, God, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Sam, Pippin, Mary, Gimli, Bromer, Legolas, Aragon, Gandalf, Frodo. The setting is Middle Earth. The location is a place called Ravenhill. And these nine characters, some are elves, some are dwarfs, some are men. There's a wizard in the mist. They converge on this place in this area called Ravenhill. And in normal circumstances, these different individuals would not spend any time together, really. They would be to themselves. They would be with their own people doing what it is they do, just living life. But they're at this place in Ravenhill for a specific reason. There's this ring that they have found out about. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about as yet, it's Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. It's a book by J.R.R. Tolkien um, that was turned into some movies some years ago. No need for a spoiler alert. It came out in 2021. If you haven't seen it yet, that's your bad. You missed out. Go check it out. But there's this ring that they know about. It's ring to rule all rings. And so they converge. They have a council, a secret council with the elves, leaders of the elves, the dwarfs, and men. And as they're meeting, there starts an argument starts to break out because they're saying, well, who's going to take the ring? This ring is the ring to rule all rings. It has all power. They're saying, well, who's going to take the ring? And the dwarfs are like, we don't want the elves to have it. And the elves are like, we don't want the humans to have it. And there's a bunch of bickering going on, right? There's also hobbits there, but hobbits don't even get mentioned because they're like the lowliest of creatures. They're not warriors. They're very meek. They're very humble. They stay to themselves. And then out of nowhere, this one hobbit, Frodo, shouts through all the noise and says, I'll take it. I'll take it. Immediately after he says that, these other individuals give their allegiance to Frodo. 
and say, we'll go with you on this journey. He's going to leave Ravenhill and he has to go to a realm called Mordor. The ring has to be destroyed in the fires of Mount Doom. Now this may seem like, oh man, why don't he just go to the mountain and drop it in the fire and be done with it. This is a journey that will not be taken through easy terrain. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. He's going to need help. So again, these people that, again, in normal circumstances would never unite in this way, they are now united in this mission. There's a goal, there's a mission, there's a journey that unites them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I wanna reason with you, argue with you that we too are united. And much more than just this mission, right? This, this goal or this journey of taking a ring to a fire. Now, how is it that we're united brothers and sisters? Well, it's in Christ. Thank you, Sister Jacqueline. It's in Christ. Christ is who unites us, right? So how does this happen? Let me start in Ephesians chapter two. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. This is all of us at one point. Some of us are still dead in our trespasses and sins. So let's just understand that. Which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you all once lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This was our state before believing in Jesus. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We we're following the prince of the power of this world. But verse four, but, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God made us alive together with Christ. We were dead, right? Those who have trusted and believed in Jesus, we were dead. While we were dead, Christ, God made us alive through his son, Jesus. That's how this happens, right? That's how we're now united in Christ. If you have believed in Jesus and you've turned away from your sin, the Bible calls it to repent, and you've placed your trust in Jesus, we're united together, brothers and sisters. And if you find yourself haven't yet turned towards the Lord and you're still living in your sin and you're still walking by the prince of the power of the air, and you're still living by the spirit of disobedience, it's not too late for you now. You can turn towards the Savior, right? He lived a holy life, a righteous life, a perfect life one that we were supposed to live, but we could not live. Then he went to the cross to die a death that we all deserve to die, but we could not die. So he shed his blood for the sins of the world. And man, it would be a tragedy if he stayed dead, but he did not. Three days later, he was risen from the grave. Oh, glory, glory. 
That shows, that shows us, gives us an example, and shows us the truth that one day we too will rise. One day we will live forever with God in his presence. It shows that, that the life that Christ lived is now our life, even right now if we turn and believe in Jesus. And this is good news. This is good news. This is how we're united, brothers and sisters. So verse 19 of Ephesians 2, it says, So then, you are no longer, these are for the people who have believed in Jesus now. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens and saints and members of God's household. We're now fellow citizens and of the saints and members of God's household. This is family language, y'all. Huh? We are family. If you're with us this morning, it's your first time joining us. I want to extend a warm welcome to you. We're glad you're here, whether in person or online. And you've come and you've joined us in the midst of our series called The Covenant Community. These have been a series of topical sermons um, going through our church covenant. And while this is not a normal diet of the church, topical sermons are needed and necessary. I would even argue Jesus preached topically. Paul preached topically. We could argue or discuss that later if you'd like. And while it's not our normal diet, and yet I say it, 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 is, it is good that we're doing it, what our normal diet is is that we normally go through a book of the Bible, line by line, expositing the text, right? We want to give the full counsel of God's word, and that's normally what we do. So the main point for the sermon this morning is going to be this. So this is where I want you to kind of hang all the other points on that follow this. The main point this morning is going to be this. As a covenant community, we have a mission, a goal, and I'd even say a calling to grow together into the fullness of Christ. I'll say that again. This is the main point. As a covenant community, we have a mission, a goal, a calling, and that is to grow together into the fullness of Christ. And you'll see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. But the question then is, well, how do we do this? How is this done? How are we going to grow into the fullness of Christ? Well, I'd like to think that by doing much of what we see in our church covenant is going to help us. But I'm going to speak specifically about uh, the clause. I think it's probably four or three in our church covenant. You can read along with me um, as I read aloud. And it's that one, two, three, yeah, fourth clause. We will be devoted to one another in brotherly love. With humility and gentleness, we will patiently bear with each other forgiving, encouraging, and building one another up, exercising watchfulness over each other, and admonishing one another when necessary. 
So I've basically taken this clause and I've broken it out to six different points. And these are the points that we're gonna go through. Again, this is how we're gonna grow together in the fullness of Christ. So with these six points, I um, hope that God this morning will shape our hearts to think more about growing together into the fullness of Christ. Point one, we'll be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 reads this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. John chapter 13. I'll start at verse 34, but 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Why? By this, people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, brothers and sisters, it's clear from the teachings of Jesus. It's clear this is where Paul got his teaching. That we're to have a brotherly affection for one another. Right? And, and when you think about this, this brotherly affection or even this brotherly and sisterly affection, right? It, it's, that, it's that phileo love, right? That, that, that family, familial kind of love. This is the type of love that we should be having for one another. I, I particularly like Romans chapter 10, 12, chapter, verse 10, because it says, it gives us a way of how we can actually show that kind of love by outdoing one another and showing honor. We should be leading, right? In showing honor to one another. This is what we should be doing. So what does that look like? It may look like telling other brothers and sisters about how somebody has blessed you, right? It, it, it looks like Philippians 2, 3, where it says, think about other people more highly than yourselves. Brothers and sisters, it's real easy to big yourself up. It's real easy to give yourself flowers, but how much are you bigging up the next brother or sister or giving them flowers? How often are you turning and telling other people about another brother or sister? Example, I wanted to shout out my man, Michael Gormley. Wonderful brother, wise brother. We're in a triad group together. And we've just been going through Habakkuk. And man, it was one Monday morning, we're discussing and we're talking about the text and he says something that I just ain't never heard before. And it was like a aha moment. And I was like, bruh, I, I was praising him. I was giving him thanks because God used him to put wisdom in my life and to help me. And that's what we should be doing for one another. So if you want to know about Habakkuk, go to that brother right there and, <laughs> and ask him about it. But this kind of love is supposed to be warm, right? It's supposed to be close. It's the kind of love that you have in a family relationship. Look, man, I know some people's families like mine is dysfunctional. But at the end of the day, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you ain't gonna talk bad about my family. I could talk bad about my family, but you're not going to talk bad about my family. This same kind of love and enthusiasm that we have for our 
extended family, our, our, our family outside of Christ. And some of them may be believers, so I won't say that. But, but you know what I mean, that, that blood relationship family. It's the same kind of love we're supposed to be having amongst each other. Two, with humility and gentleness, we will patiently bear with each other. Ephesians chapter four, verse two. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Well, how is it that we're going to do this? When, it, when, when we're called to bear with one another, it says to do it in humility and gentleness and patiently. When you're prideful, when you're indifferent, when you're, when you're impatient, it's very, very hard to bear with one another. So we come from all different walks of life, right? Just like the nine I had talked about in the Lord of the Rings. So we're not always going to agree on everything together. But that doesn't mean that if we don't agree, you just start canceling people, right? We're not doing like what the world does and we're gonna start canceling individuals and, and make sure that we cut off the way they communicate to others. And don't get me wrong, some people shouldn't have a platform, I think. Some people probably shouldn't say what they say, but that doesn't mean we're gonna, especially in the church now, back to the church, we're not just canceling one another. We're gonna take time to patiently and humbly understand one another. You gotta come from a lowly place to do this, right? If you come from some place where you think that you know it all, that nobody can tell you anything wrong, this is gonna be very difficult for you to build the relationship that we're talking about building here in the church. You have to be open to hearing other people's perspectives. You might just learn something and you might just grow. Bidion Abule has this book that he wrote called What is a Healthy Church Member? Some of you may have read it, others may have not. Our dear sister Hannah, some time ago, started a um, new member small group. And in the new member small group, she normally leads going through this book. It's a wonderful resource. If you haven't read it, you can pick it up and I would commend it to you, recommend it to you for your reading. But in here, there's a section where Pastor T says, what does a committed church member look like? And there's a section that says bearing with each other. Ministers of reconciliation must be patient and long-suffering. They must be characterized by meekness, such as they do not think of themselves more highly than they ought. They must hold up under the weight of disappointments, frustrations, loss, attack, slander, and offense. But by carrying each other's burdens, we will fulfill the law of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the reason why we have this relationship is not personally for, our, for ourselves, it's for others. It's to help each other grow into the fullness of Christ. That's what it's about. So as we do these things, we're carrying each other's burdens together, as we're living life together in this way, we're actually helping each other to mature into the fullness of Christ. Number three, forgiving one another. This is a tough one. 
This is a hard one, forgiving one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 reads this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Or how about Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against you, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you you must forgive. All right, if that isn't clear, let's go to the teachings of Jesus. You know, if that's not clear, let's, let's go to the Lord, right? If that's not right with you, that don't sit right with you. Luke 17, 3. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and turns to you seven times and say, repent, you must forgive him. One more, one more from Jesus. One more from Jesus. Matthew chapter six, verses 14 and 15. Hmm. This is the hard one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you of your trespasses. I mean, forgiveness is such a serious thing that Jesus says he won't forgive if you don't forgive others. But all of this is rooted in you remembering how God has forgiven you in Christ, that he shed his blood for you, right? So if you believe that and you say you believe that, then we too should be able to forgive one another, right? So there's a lot about forgiving and repentance. So I found something from a um, Christian counselor. And he had, you know, eight steps on forgiving others. And you know, from the onset, I, wanna, I just wanna say that before I read this, forgiving is something that we must do and it is important. Um, but in the time that we live in now, even past, past that, people have, in the church have used the language of family in such a way to take advantage of people, to take advantage of people that have been vulnerable. Brothers and sisters, if, if by any means you have been physically abused or sexually abused by anybody in this church, or whether you're listening online in any church that you're at, and somebody says to you, let's kind of work this out because we're brothers and sisters, that's a red flag. Please turn and run. If the law needs to get involved, please involve the law. Definitely involve your pastors. And I, I won't be remiss to say that we're, we're all fallen individuals here, right? We're striving for holiness. But is, if this were to happen to you by the hands of one of the pastors, find a trusted 
Christian to share this with, and the authorities must get involved. We have seen now time after time in recent events in the church where these things have been mishandled. And this does not show the love of Christ. So don't get it twisted with this family language because a family member is not going to do this to you. Okay? So I just wanted to say that before I read this. So just remember that. One, acknowledge pain. Acknowledging the pain is one of the steps towards forgiveness. Admitting the hurt. This process of forgiving, though, it's a difficult emotional process. Spiritual process as well. It will be hard, but it is necessary. Think through things. Three, imagine being on the other side. Brothers and sisters, I know these are hard things that I'm even talking about, believe me. Remember God's forgiveness is for. Five, reflect on our biblical commands. We've kind of just went through that. Six, let go of the hurt. That's a very difficult one. I mean, sometimes it's only going to be in the Lord, man, that he's going to help you to actually let go of the hurt and, and move on from that. Continue to forgive. So this is something that's ongoing. And pray for the person who hurt you. Right? Pray for the person who hurt you. Brothers and sisters, these, these steps, these things will be very difficult, as I've said, but it is something that we should strive to do. The thing about it is this is why we're having this covenant community series is because you don't have to do this alone. We have the body so that we can do this with others, right? While difficult, while this journey and, and the terrain of the Christian walk We'll, we'll be challenging. We can do this with one another. The tough thing about it all, too, is that I was thinking about this, and, you know, you've heard people say, I know I used to hear my mom say it all the time, yeah, I'm going to forgive, but I ain't going to forget. And I get the sentiment, like, it sounds cool, you know, and, and I even sometimes want to do that, but it's not the way the Lord is. He said he remembers our sin no more. I think in a sense, if you really want to forgive somebody, you're going to have to try with God's help and maybe the help of others, maybe even the help of counselors to try to remember that person's sin no more. Right? I mean, Hebrews chapter 8, 12 says that that's exactly what God does to us. He remembers our sin no more. Four, encouraging and building up one another. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Right? Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing, right? Or just go to Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 24. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as the day drawing near. Again, even just looking at Ephesians 10, we have to gather together to do this, right? So many of us are in person now. Those who are online that are part of Anacostia River Church, if you're healthy and you're well, come and join us. You know, come with us. I need y'all here. For real, I need you guys here. This is how we're going to grow into the fullness of Christ. So if you're healthy and you're well, I know we still got this COVID thing flying around. You know, in my mind, I'm like, it's gone. It's not gone. We still got it floating around. So I understand you still want to be wise. You still want to be prudent in your health. And I'm, I'm all with that because me too. But if you are healthy and you are well, I mean, we're masked up in here. Come and join us. Come in person and gather with us so we can encourage each other, so we can build each other up in the faith. We need, we need one another. Man, how are we going to encourage one another? I got a few points of how we're going to do this or how we should do this. Praise brothers and sisters when you see them growing in holiness. Point towards others when you see them growing in the fruits of the spirit. Right? If I see Durst growing in love, I'm a big, hey, Durst, man, I, see, I really see you growing in love, brother. Man, last week you told me you were dealing with this, but now I see how you're handling this, and you're speaking in a way that shows that you're growing in love, brother. Praise God. If you see somebody growing in patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control, let that person know it will encourage their soul. It's very hard, for me at least, I'll speak for myself, but it's very hard to know when you're growing in the Lord. Sometimes I feel like you're stagnant. You're like, yo, am I really growing out here? Like, is the Lord actually really working in my life? And then that, just a couple of words from a brother or sister saying, man, I see you doing such and such. Man, Tasha, I see you growing in faithfulness. That will encourage you and press you forward to continue to keep on going. This is what we should be doing for one another, brothers and sisters. But the thing about it is we can't do this if we don't know each other well. We can't know everybody well, okay? I get that. Like, I'm an extrovert. I want to know all y'all well. I can't do that, right? Only the Lord will know all of us intimately and well, right? We don't have enough time, right, to do that. We don't have enough energy to do that. But we should at least know one person well, and one person should know us well. So I even challenge you this morning and, and even ask a question. If there's one person in the church that doesn't know you well, why? And if there's one person in the church that you don't know well, why? Start praying that God would open up a relationship with someone that you could grow to know that way. Okay? Um, so that's encouraging and building one another. Also, too, be telling people how they're growing in their gifts, man. This, I, there's so many points that I could have for us encouraging and building one another up. When you see people growing in gifts, don't become envious. Tell them, I see you. Push them and say, I see you growing. You see people sing out their hearts up here at the music ministry? Praise them. Praise God for them. And let them know, man, I see what you're doing. Like, thank you for using your gift to edify the body. This is what we should be doing for one another. 
and this is a word of wisdom. This is not flattery. Flattery is self-serving and flattery is sin. Okay, so when you flatter somebody, it could be true, it could not be true, but intentionally you're like, I'm a flatter this person, so you know what I'm saying it could serve me. And that's not what we're doing here. We're looking to serve others, and that's what we should be doing when we're encouraging and building up one another. Okay. Five, exercising watchfulness or watchful care over each other. Ephesians chapter six. Verse 18 reads this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Or Colossians 4.2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So one aspect of watchful care is we should be praying for one another, right? And we can, gen we can have general prayers for one another, which is good. But again, back to that living together as family, how much more meaningful will our prayers, let me see how to say this. I think, how much more meaningful will our prayers be to God if we know a specific issue going on with a brother or sister and we're praying to God for that, right? Now, this is what we should be doing. But again, these things are only gonna happen in community, right? These things are only gonna happen when we're living life together. Pastor Tim said a few weeks ago, it has to be extended past Sunday service. Right now, we're all sitting, we're listening. A lot of the times, this is kind of what we're doing. We're receiving, we're worshiping the Lord in our own space but it has to happen outside of this time together, right? We as a church must have relationships with one another outside of this gathering. This gathering is huge, it's important, it's major, it's the main thing, but we have to then extend it outside of, the, of this wall, these walls. <clears throat> also too, what, what, what a watchfulness looks like. So we got prayer and we got praying for the saints. Also, too, I think a good way to do that, and I've learned this, man, from, from, from Pastor T and this other pastors, is praying through the directory, right? Getting through the directory, going through it, emailing people, your contacts is in there, email people, how can I be praying for you? Many times, believe it or not, people will get back to you and tell you how it is you can be praying for them. They'll give you specific ways. Brothers and sisters, it's so encouraging because I may not be able to sit down with that person face-to-face, -face, but I get an email. And some will share, man, some of the things they're going through, the ways that they're struggling, and you can actually pray for them about these things. You can follow up with them on these things. That even shows loving care and watchful care for brothers and sisters of the church. The other one that I want to discuss, other than praying for one another, is, and this is a difficult one, and so I want to just preface this by saying, well, I'll say the point is addressing sin is our responsibility. This though is going to have to be done patiently, is going to be have to be done gently, and have to be done with with much care. Because you can go all the way the wrong way with doing this in addressing other sins, or you can lean on the side of never addressing people's sins. But but as a church, this is what we're called to do. So let me read some scripture verses to kind of anchor. Uh, this point. 
So Matthew chapter 18. Verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. 16. If he does not, listen. If he does not listen, take it to two others along, along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, then let him be as a Gentile or tax collector to you. It seems like a hard teaching by Jesus. But honestly, it's a loving teaching by Jesus. Because at the end of it, you hope to one day win your brother or sister back if it has to go that far. But it's almost like, man, if you see me in sin and you say you love me, but you don't, you're not telling me that, yo, you sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. This isn't the life of a Christian. That's not watchful care over my soul. How are you caring about me? How are you saying you love me if you don't care about the well-being of my soul? I want to question, what, what kind of love is that? Do you truly actually love me? Or Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 reads, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. But listen to this, though. This is it right here. But keep watch over yourselves, lest you too be tempted. We're to be gentle. We should be watching ourselves. We're not supposed to leave here and say, yo, I see you sinning. I see you sinning. Repent, repent. That's, yo, watch yourself. Because you too could be tempted into sin. You may be even having the same sin you're trying to point out to somebody else. Don't fool yourself. Watch yourselves too in that. But we should be having a watchful care over one another. Point six, admonishing one another. So Colossians 3.16 reads, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving to your heart, with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Listen to me, the imperative in that passage is not admonish. The imperative there is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If the word of Christ is not dwelling in you richly, brother or sister, it's going to be extremely hard. I will almost say near impossible for you to admonish anybody, for you to teach anybody, for you to be thankful in your hearts to God if the word of God is not dwelling in you richly. Okay? So, man, while admonishing is something that we want to do for one another, if the word of the Lord is not dwelling in you richly, you're going to be challenged in admonishing anyone. So, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Study God's word. Be in it. Be meditating on it. Be praying through it. So that in the, in the time or the season or the need that you must admonish, that you're doing it with all love and patience and gentleness and wisdom because the word of the Lord dwells in your hearts richly. Right? 
Or let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, and we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Again, the imperative in this verse is not admonish the idle. You know what the imperative is? Be patient with them all. Brothers and sisters, we must be kind. We must be patient. We must let the word of Christ dwell in us richly when it is that we're thinking about warning a brother or sister, in a sense, admonishing a brother or sister, right? These things, again, must be done with patience. These things must be done with wisdom and kindness when we're doing these things. We're not just running around saying, I'm warning you, I'm warning you, hey, yo, there's a hole over there, don't go in there. Well, yes, I want you to do that for me. But when we're warning each other, when we're doing, when we're looking out for each other in this way and admonishing one another, let's do it with all wisdom and prudence and let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts richly. So we're warning one another. <sighs> go to Hebrews chapter 3, 13 through 14. I want to show you something else here that was just great to see about just admonishing. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3, 13 through 14. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 14. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. One thing that I see here that I place is that admonishing one another ensures that we end the race well. By admonishing one another is going to help us to stand firm in the faith. It says right here we should exhort in that same way, the same kind of word of admonish one another every single day as long as we call it today. So what? So that our hearts don't become hardened by sin so that we can stand firm in the faith, right? This is going to help us to end the race well. Brothers and sisters, we need each other to end the race well. We need each other to grow in all of these things. We need each other to grow into the fullness of Christ. Again, brothers and sisters, we need each other, right? Going back to the Lord of the Rings reference, right? If you've seen the movie, if you know the books, you know what happened as, as, as Frodo and the band of nine are on their way to Mount, to, the Mount, um, to, the, to Mount Doom. Many different things are challenging them on their way, but they know each other so closely now on their journey. They know each other's weaknesses. They know each other's strengths. They know where one lacks and where the other one needs to pick up as they're journeying. And it's, just not, it's not an easy journey, they're being chased right? By, by goblins and orcs and, and this evil ones who want to get the ring, but they're together and they know each other so well. They know, oh man, if the hobbit goes down, the elf will go ahead and pick up. Or if the elf goes down, then the man will pick up. Or if the dwarf goes down, so on and so forth. They know each other well. They're going towards a goal and a mission. We're going towards a goal and a mission and a calling too. And that's the fullness of Christ, right? So if you haven't Noticed it yet this morning. 
through these six points, we must, we must, we must live together, gather together, meet together. These things cannot be cultivated alone. They can't. They simply can't. You may think that you can cultivate them alone, but you cannot. And, and even in a sense of meeting and gathering together with one another, at some, sometimes even doing those things doesn't necessarily mean you'll know somebody well, right? You can meet together, you can actually live with somebody, you can gather and not know somebody well. So how are we gonna know each other well? You gotta be vulnerable. You gotta be in a place of vulnerability to let people in so they can know you and you can know them. Again, we don't have to do this with everybody in the church. Use wisdom as you go about doing this. But man, find one person that you would say, if you don't have it already, that I'd like to know well, and I would like them to know me well. Why? Because it's going to help us grow into the fullness of Christ. That's why. It's that important, y'all. Yeah. The church is that important. This local church, Anacostia River Church, is that important to the mission of growing in the fullness of Christ, is that we have a relationship like this with one another. So that's some homework, man, just to take back after here, just to find somebody. Started even today after service, go out and grab lunch with somebody you don't know. You know what I mean? And, and take them out, get to know them, ask them some questions, let them ask you questions. And sometimes just sit back and listen. And that's how we're gonna grow this thing together, brothers and sisters. So Thursday morning, um, which normally I do every morning, be my daughter, she's two. And um, she's uh, sitting at, in, at a dining room table in her little high chair. And um, I'm preparing, getting her lunch and her snack together before dropping her off at daycare. And she's humming this song. She's normally singing Encanto. Oh man, I don't know how many times of her, we don't want to know about Bruno or however that thing goes and, and Surface Pressure and all the other songs, but she's singing these songs. Normally, that's what she's singing. Um, this one Thursday morning though, she was humming this song and she was singing this and uh, uh, listen to me, I'm not a singer, so y'all get, don't get too mad at me, but, 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 um, she's singing this song and she's like, the more we get together, the happier we'll be when my friends are your friends and your friends are my friends. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. Thank you y'all. Um, and, and I'm sitting here listening to this and really like just, just to myself, I'm like, yo, this, this song that she's singing is kind of theological in a sense. I know some of y'all like, y'all like, yo, this guy's a nerd. I know you may not be sitting in the morning thinking like, oh man, like a, a nursery rhyme or a lullaby is theological. But no, seriously, like as I was preparing this sermon throughout the week, you know, the Spirit spoke to me, I believe, man, and, and said, yo, this actually is, is, is quite theological and almost kind of poignant to what you'll be preaching on Sunday. And I, I would just change that happier because it, the more we get together, we may not necessarily be happier, all right, if I'm honest. We may not necessarily be happier the more we get together, and that's okay, right? But the more we get together, whether it's in good times or whether it's in bad times, whether it's in rejoicing or whether it's in sorrow, we're going to be growing into the fullness of Christ. 
and that's more important than our happiness, right? It's growing into the fullness of Christ that's going to allow us to feel the joy of the Lord that surpasses all wisdom and understanding, right? So I would change it and I would add this. I say, the more we get together, the fuller in Christ we will be. <laughs> when my friends are your friends and your friends are my friends, the more we get together, the fuller in Christ we will be. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you are merciful. You are forgiving. You are altogether lovely and wonderful, Lord. You have designed your church, people who have repented of their sin and placed their trust in Jesus, Lord, united in Christ to come together and live as family, knowing one another, growing together with one another in such a way that we would maybe and we would grow into the fullness of Christ. That is our mission. That is our goal. That is the end that we have, Lord, looking forward to so growing in the image of Christ so that when we see him, we will be like him. Oh, we need each other. We need each other to grow. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be knitted so much more closely together um, as a family, Lord. Help us, Lord. We need your help. Do it by the Spirit, through your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.